0: Welcome to Pastors with pour Overs, conversations about coffee and the Christian faith.
1: My name is Kyle. I am a pastor and I forget what else I'm supposed to say here, but I am in British Columbia, Canada.
0: <laughs> Welcome, Kyle. Uh, my name is Cody. I am a pastor, church planter in British <laughs> Columbia. <laughs> that's it.
1: I, I seriously just blanked there. Good start to this one already. Yeah,
0: that's good times. I feel like saying church planter is good because it's almost like... Like, we're pastors, but then people would be like, oh, how big
1: is your congregation? you like, <clears throat> it's actually a congregation of 700. I'm just flexing here. Oh, okay. I was like, Are you, is this a joke? <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. I'm, okay. Anyways, I'm going to, we're going to keep this rolling here. We're doing a French press today with uh, Discovery Coffee, their espresso blend i honestly should have looked this up before we started but they don't have a lot of information on the bag other than tasting notes but this was roasted in uh, victoria british columbia on the island we went, know that place yeah i went there a few weeks ago and went here a couple times it was really good um so i i got some coffee from it as well we used a french press today Use my big Bodum French press. Um, I'll be honest; I'm not a huge fan of French press. Oh, really?
0: No, I I was like an exclusive French presser for a while until I got the V60, and I've I don't even know. I think I've just decided that V60 is better, but I haven't like done a taste test or anything to try to change my mind.
1: Yeah, I don't know what it. I like. French press is pretty classic. I feel like a lot of people do French press because it's easy mm-hmm. and it's just like super accessible, but I just like, I don't know. You can't really screw it up. Yeah, exactly.
0: Although I'll say our, our method, well, we kind of did strange today, but a lot of people they're, they're like, oh, you can't set, let it sit in the French press for more than two minutes. And they're really like, like antsy about that. And they end up with really weak coffee. You yeah. Got, you can let coffee sit in a French press for ages. Like we do, today we did three minutes.
1: Yeah, and we did you, the James Hoffman method. Yeah, and
0: then you do a stir, and if there's any froth, you just scoop the froth off. I, I never find there's much froth to scoop. Um, and then you let it sit for like four or five minutes.
1: Yeah, we did like six, six and a half.
0: Yeah. And so, yeah. You just actually get the full extraction, the full flavor and, and body of the coffee. And Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I guess if you let it sit, for like 20 minutes, it'd probably start to taste over-extracted. Yeah. But I think people are too anxious about like, oh, it has to be only two minutes and you just end up with weak coffee.
1: Yeah, that's what James says in his video. Mm. says, let it sit there. Like, don't don't hurry it up or anything. I just don't. I'm not a huge fan of the French press for the sole purpose of cleaning it. That's fair. Like, it's just such a house. I always end up just clean. like
0: dumping the grounds in the drain.
1: Yeah, but then you're like... You know, smacking the yeah. the French press and it's glass, so it could break easy, and it's just not a fun experience. And I feel like the mesh, maybe I just need to get a higher quality one. Although Bodum's like I don't know, it's pretty standard. The mesh kind of starts to wear a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just you know ripping what, on it now. What is
0: a fun experience, though? I had a fun a fun encounter at the cafe yesterday. Oh, did you? Well I was working without you. Um, sorry. <laughs> though I had, I think it was like the most complimented I have ever felt by like a customer. Okay, because it's always like, oh, it was a good latte, thank you. And you're like, yeah, thanks. Whatever. And it's like, you know, this is what you say. It's just pleasantries. That this this guy comes in. He's a big guy, and I mean, he's probably like just my size. I'm I'm like 6'2 But for for sake of the story, this huge guy comes in. Seven
1: feet. <laughs> 280 pounds massive
0: man in the
1: red corner walks up customer
0: and he comes up to the till and he's just like "Oh Lord, like a double espresso and i was like oh i was like it's a huge I, like, I was like okay this guy's super cool he has a cool accent he's huge he's getting just a straight espresso which is how you know like it feels like a like a, a flex yeah because like yeah. we don't we don't really drink straight espresso
1: Honestly, like even at the cafe too, I think maybe someone orders it once a day. Yeah, like Like, if you drink, like it's... I do it just to like test the espresso that's about it. Yeah, it's like a really
0: tough, gritty thing to be like, I'm going to drink straight espresso. Yeah. So he gets his espresso and we've been working on kind of locking it in more and that we we pull it onto the scale to make sure it's really accurate. So I, I made sure that like the ground's going in with exact weight. Tamped it really nice, turned it really nice because I wanted to impress my new friend, really yes. huge guy with yeah. cool accent. <laughs> so I gave him his uh, his espresso. Uh, I gave him it in a to-go cup, and he unfortunate. Well, he, yeah, he asked for it in a to-go cup, but okay. he's he's gone, and I thought he had left. And maybe like five, maybe six minutes later, he comes in again. He comes up and he's like, "What what coffee was the espresso?" And I was like. It was it was our espresso and I was like just the way he said it, I was like, Oh no, what did I did I screw it up? He's he's not happy. And he's like, What what bean? I was like, It's this and I grabbed the the bag, it was our old Mm. school from 49th parallel. It's like is this espresso? He's like, Yes. And he takes it and he like pulls out his wallet and he's like, and another double espresso. I was like, Whoa, I was like, Thank you. Wow, that's so. That was so great to like he liked my espresso so much that he bought a bag of beans and wow, then wanted another one. And the second one, he said in a for here cup this time. Nice. So he yeah, wanted he to wanted like, to, sit like there. really
1: enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, he wanted like, the full experience. That. Wow, good job. That was that was that's like impressive. the highest
0: compliment. So if you wanna impress if you want your barista to feel appreciated, first get a really cool accent. And then <laughs> Yeah, that helps. Oh, so, but like I just thought it was neat. It was it wow. felt a lot more genuine than just the classic, like
1: "Oh, good yeah. latte, thanks." You good. Know. But,
0: anyways, what are we talking about today?
1: Coffee, obviously, and espresso. But <laughs> yeah, what, we're also talking about an important part. Uh, the fourth point of the five points of the doctrines of grace, which is irresistible grace. And I think when we were talking about this. Uh, you said this was the maybe one of the most controversial ones.
0: I don't. I don't know. I think this is the one that that I struggled with the most. Um, strangely, because it's not. I don't think it's a common one. And as we'll explore it, we'll see. It's sort of just. It makes sense. It fits with the rest of it. If you've made it this far through yeah. Tulip, you, the, this makes just keep sense. Going. Yeah, and we'll we'll explain, but. It's another one where the name is a little unclear. Yeah. Irresistible grace. So um, another name it's often given is effectual calling. And just uh, before we just keep rambling, what it means is it's uh, the idea that the saving grace of God is effectually, that is successfully applied to those whom he has determined to save. Irresistible grace is the idea that his grace overcomes our resistance to obey the call of the gospel, bringing us to faith. And I really struggled with this, especially in Bible college. Cause I thought when they were like, yeah, it's irresistible. It's, it was like a choice thing now. Mm-hmm. Like after all this, like unconditional election, total depravity, they're like, yes, here is grace in front of you. Isn't it great? Look how irresistible it is. And I've even heard that taught by like Calvinist teachers where they're like, if you understand how beautiful grace is, you're not going to be able to resist it. I was like, (laughs) something about that just doesn't sit right with me. It doesn't really match with the rest of what we've been saying, but it's kind of a misdefinition. Irresistible grace is not a matter of something drawing us and we decide whether or not we're going to give into it or resisting or not resisting it. It's a matter of God successfully accomplishing his will.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think the way that you, you know, experienced it too and heard about it is a improper way of like just teaching it Mm. um even though those guys would like you know use the words irresistible and like irresistible grace for it yeah it's like you said like it's not just like look how irresistible it is it's Mm -hmm. like this idea that uh, when god desires to save you you won't resist his will like his will will be accomplished um so it's I, kind of the opposite of that is what you were saying. So it's like funny that yeah. um, that's how it was described. Like even with total depravity, we would say that it's not possible for you to be able to do that, like to see the thing that is irresistible and, and yeah. go for it.
0: Yeah, I guess the the idea with depravity is that we are resisting God. Mm-hmm. Like we're resisting holiness, resisting his will, resisting obedience. Well, his will, debatable. Bad wording, but we're, we are resisting God until he elects. And then at that point in his sovereignty, he accomplishes his will. It's it's effectual. His will is effectual. His calling takes place when he call, calls. We come. Yeah. Um, oh, it's one. John six thirty seven? Jesus says, you know, all the father gives me. Will come to me. Yeah, and whoever comes to me, I will. I will never cast
1: out. Yeah, exactly. And this kind of, once again, is like building off of like total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement. Like it, it's all kind of building towards each other. And we used that verse last week. Um, all that the Father gives me will come to me. Whoever mm-hmm. comes to me, I will never cast out. That's also the idea of like limited atonement, in that all the Father gives me. Now we kind of get into that, like, will come to me. Mm -hmm. Um, You shared a Spurgeon quote with me earlier. Yeah. Do you want to read it? Because you found it. Sure. Uh,
0: Well, I mean, it's still Spurgeon that gets the credit and God the glory. But I saw this a while ago, and we really could have brought this up at any point in this series, but I thought it really lands today. It says, if it were Christ's intention to save all men how deplorably has he been disappointed? Mm-hmm. and that's Charles Spurgeon. It's this idea like we th- we think, "Oh, Jesus wants to save everyone, but we're just rejecting him, and we're and he must be so sad and so disappointed and so just like, "Oh, I wanted to save people, but I can't." Yeah. and it's just a really actually low view of God, and all this time. What we've been going through with these points of Calvinism is more than anything. If you don't agree with us, at the least, we want you to just have a higher view of God.
1: Yeah, having that idea that part of your theology that says God gets all the glory, but also that He has the ability to do as He wills, mm-hmm. I think is a huge thing. Um, in the in this specifically, like irresistible grace, we see it God drawing those who he has elected like his drawing of us to himself mm-hmm. uh john six forty four uh says no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him mm-hmm. right? so you, no one goes back to the like again total inability to total depravity like we don't have the ability to come to him unless the father draws us to him and that's the idea of like irresistible grace like in that moment when he's calling us hmm he opens our eyes and makes it irresistible to us to, we will come to him. Um, it goes along with Acts 13, right? As many as were appointed to eternal life believed. Yeah, right? I
0: love that's such an almost throwaway phrase because it's in the middle of this story where he's talking about, you know, Paul stands up. He's in Antioch, I believe, and um, he, he's addressing the Jews there. And he has this long, amazing sermon. And then at the end of his sermon, it says everyone, all those who were appointed to eternal life believed. Mm -hmm. And that's such a like loaded statement, but it said so like matter of factly in passing. It's like, yeah, and the people that were meant to be saved were. Yeah,
1: exactly. And that's the kind of like power we believe God has. Mm. And again, in this, we're, it's not like we're saying that anyone who disagrees with these five points, like doesn't believe that God's powerful um, or anything, but like we're, we see this as being consistent with his character as well. Mm-hmm. This idea that he can, he not only draws us to him, but as many as we're appointed to believe, believe. And that's like all according to the father's will. And Really that this idea with the irresistible grace means that like God is the one who empowers our salvation. Mm-hmm. Like he's the one that that makes it really makes it possible and is the driving force behind it.
0: Yeah. I love there's the the pool meta- metaphor there, like the lifeguard metaphor that you've heard a lot and they say, you know, Calvinism is this idea or idea of like you're drowning and God reaches out and he grabs you. And there's a question of, do you reach out and grab him? And he pulls you to safety or does he just reach out and grab you while you're drowning? And But we would say, and we think is more the point of Calvinism, that actually you're dead at the Mm -hmm. bottom of the pool. You have drowned completely. And he's the one who dives in, who picks you up. He lifts you up out of that. And he's resuscitated you on the shore. And irresistible grace is saying that when you come to on the shore, you're like, you're, you're there. Yeah. And, and if we're like, oh, I don't, I don't like that. I think it's, I want the ability to resist. That'd be like, you, you're resuscitated. You go, oh, get off me, lifeguard. And you just like mm. roll over and flop back into the water. Yeah. Like, it's not a matter of how attractive is it. It's a matter of like, you were just pulled out of death to life. like. You're gonna stay
1: alive. Mm-hmm. And that's once again, the grace side of it. I I feel like I bring this up every episode. But do it. Doctrines of grace, and specifically in this one, irresistible grace, right? Mm-hmm. It's actually a grace that he makes it irresistible. Because he sees us in our depravity and he takes us from that inability to call on him for salvation. He opens the blindness of our eyes, draws us to himself so that we can see how glorious he is. Mm -hmm. And the only response in that moment is to come to him. Yeah. And that's like the grace side of it is like, it was like, I don't know the opposite, I guess would be resistible grace or whatever, Mm. but like it was that we would always be like, we'd be stuck in our sins. We'd be dead at the bottom of the ocean. Um, Just like Ephesians 2. Uh, you were dead in your trespasses and sins, like dead, not like inactive, not kind of just wandering around, like mm-hmm. literally dead in your transgressions not and sins. Flailing
0: is someone drowning.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you don't have the ability to. You couldn't even like conjure up the strength in yourself to keep swimming to get to shore, like because you're not even like alive. You're not even swimming mm-hmm. in at, at the beginning you're, you're dead
0: that's where this fits so well with everything we've already discussed because if you're you're totally sinful you're depraved you're rejecting god you are resisting god and he elects you unconditionally not because of you know anything y- y- you've done like it just you how do you have the power to re- resist him mm-hmm. then in that point like how do you have the power to be like ah oh, no i just gotta push away like because it wasn't really about you and you're if you're we already know our natures are sinful like if we could didn't reject it we would right like if it really came down to our 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 faithfulness we'd lose but it's not about us being faithful it's about his faithfulness
1: Mm -hmm. and that's where i think when we start talking in terms of this um what often comes up I, I heard this a lot, especially like in my upbringing as well. Like this idea of irresistible grace, not being true because like I resist God all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I, I resisted him before I was a Christian. I resisted him all the time. Um, and even times like since being saved, I have resisted, you know, doing his will and stuff. So the question becomes like, can we resist God at all? Do we believe we can resist God at all? And I believe, yes, you can in a sense, but it's not that we can't resist the Holy Spirit or God at all, mm-hmm. uh, because we obviously are in our depravity. But it means that the Holy Spirit will overcome like any spiritual resistance in the moment of salvation. Like, yeah. When God decides to call us to salvation, the Holy Spirit will overcome any spiritual resistance there is there. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's the that's the idea there. When God wills for it to happen, he will overcome our blindness and our resistance.
0: Yeah, I think that's so consistent throughout Scripture, the way that he allows for us in his sovereignty. He lets us flail and resist and be dumb, but he always accomplishes his will. I think of Israel in the desert. They come mm-hmm. out of Egypt. He's like, I'm delivering you from Egypt to the promised land that I promised your fathers. And and Israel's like, oh, we want to go back to Egypt. And they're just, they're just awful. They're just so ungrateful. It's like working with teenagers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I guess historically, probably a lot of them were teenagers. People didn't live Maybe. as long back
1: then. That would explain so much. Yeah, it would, wow. really.
0: Um, We've cracked the code. But despite all of that... Even though that first generation is denied entrance, God accomplishes his purpose of getting Israel into the promised land. And his purpose of ultimately, as you see, of of the nation of Israel to bring about the Messiah who then blesses all nations, like God accomplished his purpose despite the resistance and the struggling. And I mean, like the name Israel literally means wrestles with God, right? Mm -hmm. But he's still is sovereign in that.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, another example is Paul on his way to Damascus. Um, just like the great, I I mean, personally, when we came up with this topic, I think this is the greatest example of irresistible grace in the Bible mm. that I can think of. Let me know if there's a better one, but um, you have this guy Saul who is persecuting the church. Um, we see him, I think, for the first time is when. Stephen is being stoned yeah and people are literally just like he's taking their coats to Mm -hmm. let them go stone him like this is the that's what he is the hype man yeah yeah and then you the next time you see him is like he's going from house to house he's trying to find Christians and persecuting them um and then we get to Acts chapter 9 I'll read a few verses from here um but this is like we know this as the conversion of Saul so he's on his way to Damascus uh, it says, first one, Acts nine. Now Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest, asked for the letters from him to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So he's literally going off, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples. And he's mm-hmm. like, I want, I'm want. i going to Damascus and I want basically the, the right and permission on the way, if I find anyone who follows Jesus, I want to bind them up and bring them to Jerusalem for trial. Like, this is this guy's mindset. Yeah. So if we're having this idea of, like, total depravity and resistance against God, mm-hmm. I think we got an example right here. So he goes on his way to Damascus and he's traveling there. Uh, in verse 3, as he was traveling, it happened that he was approaching Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, but get up and enter the city and it will be told you what you must do. And then he, the light goes away. All the men who who traveled with him heard a voice but saw no one. Mm. And Saul is now blind. And so this guy who's persecuting the church, breathing threats against uh, the, those who follow Jesus has now had this encounter with God. God stops him right on his path to persecute Christians um, and says, you are persecuting me. Now get up and go to the city and I'll tell you what to do next. And it's just this crazy picture of like, Jesus stops him on his way. And it's like, now you're going to do what, what I say. And you go down to... Verse 15, and it says, um, God is now talking to a guy named Ananias, um, who's a disciple at Damascus, obviously would have known who Saul was, because he's like this crazy persecutor guy. Yeah. And Jesus says to him, like, go and find Saul. This is where he is. And uh, go to him and put your hands on him so he may regain his sight. So he may no, no longer be blind. Verse 15 but the Lord said to him, Ananias, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the sons of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Mm-hmm. And so God takes him on the road, reveals him, himself to Saul, causes him to be blind. And then he says to Ananias, go help him regain his, his sight because that man's a chosen instrument of mine. He's going to bring my name yeah. all across the world to the Gentiles. And I'll show him how much he must suffer for my name.
0: you imagine if, after all that, if Paul shows up to the door, Ananias, he like, opens, and Paul, blind, is like, you, Ananias? He's like, yeah, he's like, ha, stab, yeah. got him, still killing Christians. Like, like yeah. the idea of him resisting God's will in this matter is absolutely absurd.
1: Yeah, and exactly. And that's what you see next. Like verse 18, immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales. He regained his sight. He got up and was baptized and he took food and was strengthened. Mm -hmm. His immediate response is like, okay. Baptize uh, me. Baptize (laughs) me. Like I'm like, I am now a chosen instrument of the Lord. So good. It's like, there's your example right there of irresistible grace is like Paul was literally on his way to kill christians and god's like no i you're my chosen instrument to bring my name and he becomes a guy who writes most of the new testament mm-hmm. and brings the gospel all over the, the known world at that in that moment so can we resist god at all yeah mm-hmm. like saul was like throwing stones at christians and trying to bind them and, and hunt them down
0: Even his- Believers, we resist God when we sin.
1: Yeah, yeah, and,
0: and it's even more of like an act, I guess, in a way, because I have the Holy Spirit in me, being like, "Don't do that sin," and I'm still like, eh, "I think I'm gonna wanna, sin." Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: But when it comes to salvation, which is what the doctrines of grace are talking about, God, when God wills, when God calls, yeah, His grace is irresistible, and He's changing our affections in that moment.
0: So. I remember this, and you brought it up earlier. The, the, like, Bible college question in this debate, the thing I remember that was contentious is, does this mean that we are regenerated? Regenerated? Regenerate? Regenerate. Regenerated sounds like a kid verb. You That's know? true. Are we regenerate before we believe?
1: Before or after faith. Yeah, like, yeah. dude, like... What comes first, the chicken or the egg? What comes first, regeneration or faith? That's the question, yeah. right? I would say, and I, I'm, yeah, we talked about this before. You would also yeah, say, Yeah, we agree. You can stop me if you've decided to change in the past 20 minutes, but mm, yeah, i um, think about it. We believe that regeneration comes before faith. Um, RC Sproul, I was reading an, an article by him. I think it was from his book or something. I don't know. I was reading an article. And he said, basically, it comes down to this, like, do I cooperate with God's grace before I am born again? Or does the cooperation occur after? Is it operative or cooperative? Is it effectual or dependent? Mm -hmm. The idea behind that is, um, when it comes to our faith, does God need to regenerate us before we're able to have that faith? Or do we kind of cooperate with God's grace and like, okay, we have the faith, you bring the, the... the grace and the regeneration, and we meet in the middle, and yeah. we've made salvation.
0: When we've, we've been getting at this over the, the past few episodes that we won't and effectually can't choose God. We can't believe rightly until he intervenes. Um, John 3.3, 3, Jesus says, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Was that Jesus or was that John's that was narration? Jesus. Was Jesus? Okay. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure, but I didn't read the whole chapter. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, like, you know, he, he says this in a, in a few different accounts. Who was it? Was this centurion that's like, how can one be born again? Can I reenter my mother? Like, he, the point is. Yeah, with like, Nicodemus, yeah. Nicodemus. Yeah, he's like, you can't. you can't. You can't just do it on yourself. You have to be made alive. You have to be given new life. You have to be raised up in this way in order mm-hmm. to be able to believe.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Um, Ephesians 2 again, right? I mentioned it before. Mm-hmm. You're dead in your trespasses and sins. Get to verse 4, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love for us made us alive together with Christ. Um, even when we were dead in our tresp- trespasses made us alive together with Christ. Mm-hmm. Right? So the, the moment when he made us alive is when we were dead, not when we had faith. Yeah. Right? And so that's kind of where we, we get this from is like when it comes to regeneration faith like which comes first do i have faith and then i'm regenerated or you know and we would say that regeneration happens before because that gives us the ability to have faith yeah um i think it's important to to distinguish like in our minds we're thinking like this is like a a few step process like okay i'm in my sin next step god regenerates me Mm -hmm. next step I have faith, next step, you know, I give my life to Christ. It's kind of how we, like, start thinking about it. Yeah. But, it, like, I've always explained it to people as, like, this is all happening, like, in a moment, basically. Yeah. Like, it's so closely tied. Like, it's not like you're regenerated and then a week later you're like, I'm going to have faith now. It's, mm-hmm. it's, you were dead, God made you alive, he regenerated you to give you the ability to call upon him. And by his grace, he's drawing you to himself and you respond in faith. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of all happening in this like moment. I keep hitting the mic. I'm sorry. I'm I'm, I'm using a lot of um, hand motions today, but that's kind of, it's all happening right along. I'm just thinking
0: of this in the moment. So this might fall apart, but I feel like it's like, if you touch something hot, like a burner, you, you don't feel the heat or like, you don't know it's hot until you feel the heat, right? Mm -hmm. You, You would. Like, if you're like, I wonder if that burner's hot, you touch it, and you go, oh, that's hot. But it's not like you touch it and then you feel the heat and then you're like, oh, that's hot. Like, it's in an instant. Yeah. It's like you don't believe in God until he regenerates you, until he acts in your life. Yeah. But it's not like he acts in your life and then is like waiting for you to come around and believe now. It's in an
1: instant. hmm. Exactly. And that's, I think, consistently what you see. In scripture is like this language of you were dead, Christ made you alive. Mm-hmm. And out of that, you know, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not your own doing, it's a gift of mm-hmm. God, right? Like God showed us his grace, regenerates us. And by faith, we believe in him. And that's our choice, right? This is where it's like our choice in it that we, um, we choose to believe. But what irresistible grace is saying is basically when God regenerates you, you're gonna, you call on him, right? Your your choice in faith, because he's shown himself to you. He's overcome your spiritual deadness and blindness. Mm-hmm. You call on him in in salvation. It's irresistible.
0: Uh, Ezekiel thirty six. It's a great passage. I want it as a tattoo. Which I'll I'll, I'll tell you about the tattoo later.
1: But Any <laughs> tattoo artists, uh, send Cody. Yeah, to if you. anyone wants to give Designs. me a tattoo.
0: Um, Ezekiel thirty-six, starting in verse twenty-six, says, And I will give you a new heart, and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh, and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and be careful to obey my rules. He's completely changing us from the inside. He's taken that our our heart of rebellion, our heart of rejection, given us one that beats for him. When that's alive
1: yeah it's similar i'm uh ezekiel 37 it's right there oh. um it's the same thing he does in the next chapter right with the valley of dry bones yeah. it's like the bones are dry and ezekiel sees this valley all these dry bones and god says i will put flesh on them i will put sinews on them and he makes us Alive in that. It's another picture of that.
0: One of the weirdest. Yeah. Yeah. Like,
1: just imagine like being Ezekiel and you have this vision, and there's all these like dry bones just laying around, and then like I'm gonna put flesh on. Like, yeah, it is a crazy picture, but that's the again the using. I don't even know. I'm not good at like English class. I was never great, but I don't. So I don't know what it's called. But um, saying I will do this. Mm -hmm. Look at the who who is doing the action whatever that's called, English oh, yeah, majors, the, uh, let me know.
0: The subject.
1: Subject, sure. Yes. Yeah, right? I don't know. Sentence, sentence flows. He, uh, <laughs> anyways, God is the actor in it, right? Yeah. I will do that. I will give you a heart of uh, I will take your heart of stone, give you a heart of flesh. I will put this flesh the on the bones. First
0: time that thinking, doing that, like, who's the subject?
1: Has been useful. Matters, yeah. I know.
0: It's like the... Versus you do in class, it's always, like, it never changes your understanding. You're like, yeah. is that
1: not obvious? I took Greek. And we're kind of... I should digress or whatever. But <laughs> I took Greek and uh, a Greek class, and one of the big things is seeing, like, the subject and the, you know... Yeah. I,
0: no, yeah. I learned the Hebrew alphabet, and wow. I did we're my... we on My first right assignment, now. I got zero because I wrote it all backwards, because I wrote it left to right, and Hebrew is written right to left. Oh, yeah. Oh, and uh, I went wow, uh, this sucks. I dropped out of Hebrew, and, yeah. but now i have to do it on a master's <laughs> level next. So, so
1: now we'll you guys know our, our education here as well. <laughs> We're happy to, we to can share read that English, with you. Yeah. yeah. Just because I said I was bad at English class doesn't mean I, I don't know any English. I'm obviously speaking right now, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> suffice it to say, um, looking at like I will, and God is the one acting in that moment. Those are important things when it comes to these verses and, and seeing these things. Um, Good recovery. I was just going to outro. Keep going. Well, right. I'm, just, I'm just like shutting us down here. So All right. yeah, I think at the end of the day, and then you can do your outro. Right. But um, at the end of the day, that's kind of what in my whole walk with these doctrines and stuff is like, I looked at the the verses and I started realizing... Oh, okay, for by grace are you saved through faith? It's not of yourselves; it's a gift of God. I was like, oh, wait. So I've always been thinking of it as like I did this, like I was the one who had the faith. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. God made you alive. Ah, He's the one who's acting in this, mm-hmm. not me. By grace through faith. Through, exactly. Yeah. So that's irresistible grace. A little bit of a rabbit trail at the end there.
0: Yeah. We hope you learned a lot. Uh, thanks for listening. We appreciate you. If you have any questions, comments, or snide remarks, leave them in a comment, or you can message us on Instagram, at pastorswithpourovers. We'd love to hear from you.
1: We'd also love to get coffee from yeah, people if you as have well. Coffee. Or suggestions. We're not like looking for Prehand donations us, necessarily, yeah. but if you want to. Um, I'll give you my We will not be ungrateful to receive coffee. Exactly. Um the free gift of coffee.
0: Yeah. And uh be sure to like, follow, subscribe, rate, review, share with your moms and your sisters and your dads and your friends, your, brothers. And your friends' moms and uh the, your baristas. Uh it helps more people to find our content and lets us know we should keep making it. You could also share it with the kitchen lady at your church. That's true. That's another one. I feel like kitchen ladies at churches would love us.
1: I'm pretty popular with old people, personally. Yeah. I, I just, don't know why. I, know. I think like, they, like, somehow enjoy my humor. Think of the classic and, church kitchen lady, though.
0: It just feels like someone who'd be like, oh, these two guys talk yeah, about they're funny. So nice. And like, oh, so blessed so, to so, hear so so these smart. two. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah.